0: Today on our show, we're going to review what happens in Sicario 2, Zaldado. We dive into what happens in Oceans 8, and also we go back to Harlem with that bad mother jammer, Luke Cage. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in
1: one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk Filmy to Me.
0: Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, a film podcast about news, general entertainment, general pop culture. It's the film podcast that spent the last week re watching Westworld Season 2, listens to about 10 hours worth of spoiler podcasts, read interviews with the Nolan and Lisa Joy, and still thought, I ain't got a fucking clue what this TV show is about. But telling you who has got a clue, it's my host, it's my OG, it's my main man, John Descamento. How you doing, buddy?
1: I'm amazing and I'm as confused as you are, uh, Ari Westworld. Um I'm not that far through with season two and I, I keep getting lost. You know when you can't finish an episode? Yeah. That's how I feel like with Westworld right now. And it's I love the first series, I couldn't stop watching it, so I'm a bit disappointed so far. But as ever, you can't judge these things until you get to at least episode five I say
0: yeah yeah I always say the halfway point is where you decide to commit or not from that point in but um, <laughs> with with Westworld it does pick up like like just just bear with it um, you can't do anything else while Westworld is on. Like You have to really focus on what's going on and the different narrative streams. And, and obviously with Nolan, we know he messes with you with time. So there is, a, there is definitely some of that trickery going on as well. What I find interesting is that obviously this is the other TV show that HBO makes. right? Obviously Game of Thrones is the big one. And Westworld is their attempts to think, right, obviously we know... Game of Thrones is going to come to an end. We need another TV show to become the biggest TV show in the world and generate all that money for us. That's why Westworld generates more money, or sorry, they spend more money on Westworld um, at this stage in its development cycle, as it did on Game of Thrones, and like the quality's there. I I personally think if you compare like for like, it is better from season one to season two and everything else still, and obviously the quality of the actors and stuff. But I find with Game of Thrones, it's so confusing that you spend the first five episodes going oh I remember that person oh yeah I know that oh yeah I remember that oh who's that guy again oh yeah I like him and they've managed to put that on crack and speed it up in Westworld 2 like I am so, I was so confused even in that first episode
1: <laughs> yeah I, well, I you know Nolan's doing it so I, I figured there was a time thing going on but I still can't really get exactly what what is going on but hey robots Try and decide who's a robot and who's not. That's a good uh, game for the first couple of episodes, anyway.
0: That's true. Have you got a favourite character?
1: Um, I like the woman, the host woman, who is a robot and is like used as the sexy one, and she like seduces people because <laughs> I, I don't just because of her personality, obviously, her robo personality, not because of anything else. Um, who's your favourite? <laughs>
0: Oh God, what's her name? Fandy Newton's character. Um the one who was a host, becomes self aware, and used to run the brothel. She was in Mission Impossible Two. I always go bashful when she's on screen because I think she's really, really amazing. But um and also I liked I liked Teddy and like Ed Harris's character, the man in black. Um Ed Harris plays
1: such a good bad guy, doesn't he? He is brilliant, actually. Former is it a neighbour star. <laughs> amazing that he's now an absolute like movie star and TV star and he started in Neighbours
0: Well I feel like maybe we should do actually a, a spoiler cast about Westworld Season 2 once you've watched it and I've, I've been to multiple support groups and uh, got my calculator <laughs> out and maps and and tried to decode some of this because it is absolutely insane. Yeah. Anyway shall we crack on with news? News. The Predator we were talking about this uh, a few weeks back Shane Black's directing the first teaser trailer dropped about 2-3 weeks ago we weren't particularly impressed with it um, we thought, okay, we'll, we'll see what else this, this throws at us, obviously Shane Black has listened to the community, a lot of the feedback was, I thought this was supposed to be an R-rated film, this just looks like every other crappy Predator spin-off that's been there, and he's gone, right, I'll show you guys, and dropped a new trailer, and um, this is definitely R-rated, it's 18, it's all, it's glorious mayhem and there's loads of gore in it to boot as well this actually looks like it is a return to form i think this is going to be really interesting it's got the guy from narcos in it um, and who' was also in logan it looks really interesting john were you a predator fan
1: um no i have to admit i'm not but i like a science fiction thriller so I mean, I'll I'll definitely go in with an open mind. And I love anything that says, uh, only a ragtag crew of ex-soldiers and a disgruntled science teacher can prevent the end of the human race. (laughs) Uh, You know, sold right there.
0: (laughs) There we go, there we go, sold. I'll tell you something that people weren't sold on. Now, this makes me laugh quite a bit, actually, and we we comment on this every now and again. Um, Obviously, Star Wars The Last Jedi didn't go down well with some of the Star Wars fandom, fair to say. Um, it's also fair to say that Disney are currently rethinking a lot of things at the moment. Um, but what is kind of funny is that there's a group of individuals who are banded together and they've created a Twitter account because that's what... way to get stuff done is apparently and uh, it was called remake the last jedi they have been sourcing people to fund them to remake the last jedi because they believe that film was so bad that it it basically shitted on the the franchise so much that it deserves to be wiped off the face of humanity and replaced and they're actually getting funding for this so at the moment their gofund page is at something like ninety thousand dollars which by the way is a penny compared to how much you actually need to make these films. But they're really building up momentum. When I say really building up momentum, they've got like a couple of thousand followers and and people are talking about them. But obviously we know this isn't going to happen. But the funniest thing I've ever seen is that Zef, um, Zef Rogan has uh, decided to have a conversation with this group live on Twitter. And he's just saying so are you proposing you're going to take Disney's intellectual property, which by the way they own... And make a movie again, which, by the way, costs two hundred million dollars, and you've got about sixty thousand dollars at the moment. And you 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 think this is going to happen? Like he's just he was just so baffled by it, and he just kept asking them questions. And their uh, their their only response has been, "We have now secured some big Hollywood producers to uh, to help bankroll us." Now that's probably a very loose term, but what's quite funny is that Twitter's done what Twitter does, and uh, there's been loads of parody accounts set up. So there's now people demanding that we remake Howard the Duck. There's people demanding that we remake <laughs> Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which I say that's blasphemy. That's a good film. No, don't don't go there. <laughs> and there's people saying remake the remake of uh, <laughs> of Dawn of the Dead just because it's an awesome film. We'd like to see that again. I think it's hilarious. Is there any film, John, that if you had an an unlimited pot of money you could go back and wipe from history and remake again what would it be
1: oh it'd have to be dumb and dumberer that prequel they made you know that was horrible got too many copies of that on dvd for some reason but <laughs> it was it was so much potential like a backstory of of those two characters but um it was just a rip off of the actual movie so but yeah i mean this is a bit of a strange thing i can imagine it actually sourcing money because i i know there's a lot of 50 60 year old men who've probably got a bit of money and are so annoyed with the last jedi that they would actually put their money where their mouth is and uh but yeah i mean only another 200 million to go and they might be Getting somewhere.
0: I just I mean, yeah, I think like we, we joke about it all the time about like what we think would make a good film and and every now and again after a few drinks we might start doing our own casting and talking about how oh would it be great if this happens. Just imagine if like people who don't make movies somehow makes a star wars movie it'll be like oh and they totally have a lightsaber battle yeah and, and they're gonna then they're gonna play that music from phantom uh, phantom menace in the background cause everyone loves that yeah and and uh and then they'll smoke pot because pot jokes are funny and yeah it'll just be it'll just be a it'll be a mess
1: <laughs> it'll be- i'd like that i want them to do it i mean it's imagine it'd be fascinating to watch a load of um disgruntled fans try and remake a film like that
0: you know it'd be quite funny a film of that film if that makes sense so actually make a comedy about a bunch of disgruntled middle-aged losers <laughs> um, who have clearly too upset that their favourite property and obviously you can't say Star Wars you just make up some some uh, intergalactic battles with laser swords and um yeah and do something like oh we're so pissed off and it'll be a, f- a comedy about these losers getting their funding almost like um, oh god what was the the disaster artist <laughs> disaster artist where there is just a bunch of losers trying to make some money for a remake of a beloved franchise for them.
1: <laughs> i yeah i would hesitate to call them losers just because i know a few disgruntled um last jedi people oh no i'm
0: not i'm not saying that like i'm not saying obviously i just want to be very clear if you don't like the last jedi i'm not calling you a loser at all if you're trying to actually actively get this film remade or if you're bullying the cast or bullying the staff then i am calling you a loser but they are very different people look i I don't particularly like the last jedi i don't like what i've done with luke but I, i i don't think it should be wiped off humanity i can just go watch the original trilogy and go oh well I kind of like the scene where Mark Hamill winks to the camera and that's it, you know? So what? <laughs> There's other things in the world. Uh, but speaking of that, back to news, Star Wars, um, as I as mentioned before, with Star Wars, that it looks like a lot of the other projects are now on hold. Um, lucas arts and disney apparently have made taken the motion to to pause development on everything else other than episode nine this has not been official yet but loads of reports are being reported by different media outlets that um yeah they are in crisis mode at the moment now obviously we're about a year and a half away from episode nine and um, around about now would be when you'd start your production or at least your pre-production there's kind of three stages um of how a film is created. A film is created on the page. The film is created in front of a camera, and a film is created in an editing room. And for you to meet this aggress- this target of about. 18 months time of having us in cinemas they would need to have finished or be close to finishing that pre-production that pen to paper they need to know what that story is what that narrative is and and how they're going to go forward and so they can get to that point apparently uh, they have paused every other project because some real rethinking has been needing to have been done in wake of the response to the last jedi as well as the commercial success of solo or should i say commercial failure because it's only ranked about 300 million so far where bear in mind the film cost 300 million at least we knew it was reshot almost from scratch um, due to the departure of the directors as well as marketing budgets people don't realise that if you take the production budget for a film, like you'll read that a film costs 300 million to make, 9 out of 10 times it's pretty much double that for the marketing budget, you think about films like Deadpool, and this is an amazing podcast or or thing to do about speak to the marketing people behind films like Deadpool in particular, the, the gold standard for this um, it takes a lot of money to, to do that so um, yes, at the moment it appears that Star Wars, and this is probably a good thing right, just take a break make a really good episode 9 and then look at the, the landscape if i was in charge of disney right now for for what it's worth i would be begging kevin farge right now i would be on his doorstep with a boombox playing it's always been you asking him once he has finished making avengers 4 to come and save the star wars universe that that's my opinion but uh <laughs> but john are you gutted that these films are on hold or, or long may it continue no i
1: Long may it continue. I know about oversaturation and I think they are at risk of oversaturating. So I think definitely take a step back, stop milking the cash cow and just relying on dads and kids, you know, turning up because it's Star Wars and, you know, actually focus on making a a really good, memorable movie, I say.
0: Very true. Anyway, let's stop talking about Star Wars. Let's move into just a couple of marvelly bits. Um, So Tom Holland was at a comic book convention called ace comic convention I think that's what it's called anyway and um he was on a on a live panel and um before he went up on stage he done an instagram post and he goes oh I've just got the script for the new spider-man movie and he uh was holding up the script and waving it around in in excitement and um Someone was able to see on the screen that the title of the new Spider Man movie was there. And the title is going to be called Spider Man Far From Home. Now, obviously, we can't get too excited about a title. Um, the first film with Tom Holland as Spider Man as a solo outing was called Homecoming that obviously meant a lot of things to a lot of people obviously it was the homecoming dance was the the theme of the film but actually it was more about Spider-Man coming home to Marvel obviously it was a property owned by Sony for a long time and now in this collaboration with Marvel they've managed to bring it back into the the fold and we, we can't get too more excited about that other than it's kind of funny Tom Holland and Marvel were leaning into this whole thing of Tom Holland likes to accidentally do spoilers obviously this was done with Marvel's blessing they knew he was doing this it was just a bit of a joke but uh, oh right
1: so it was all deliberate he sort of waved it around and
0: yeah yeah exactly because like if you actually like if you look at the, the screen he, well, it was actually an iPad sorry he was holding and um, it wasn't a script it was the artwork for the logo and oh, I don't right. know if you've ever seen an actual movie script but movie scripts a don't have the title of the film on top for obvious reasons <laughs> and also they're just it's just a sheet of paper with with typed writing on it you wouldn't have a designed thing on there um, because the designs are usually quite, you know, are done later on. And, um, and yeah, and for obvious reasons of its code names for films, um, because it's quite interesting. Actually, I've got a friend who works in timber of all things, the timber trade, and his company does the set building for a lot of big, big films, and he will know the um code name for a lot of films especially bond films because he he's a company works with mgm studios a lot so i can't remember the name i think casino royale was called poker face or something like that there's usually a loose theme between it but um he's like yeah i I don't you don't realize it until you you either deliver it to the set and you you see the odd famous person there or you do a bit of googling and and put two and two together but yeah it's not a case of here new spider-man title Oh, keep it safe because you know it's, it's too hard to keep secrets safe sometimes. Hmm. But um, cool. but just just to, to wrap that up. So the Venom trailer that came out a couple of well about a month ago, actually should have reviewed. That has been viewed more than any other Spider-Man trailer, which is really really interesting because a lot of people moans that this film shouldn't exist and everything else. And obviously, it's very heavily linked with the the Spider-Man world. But anyway, Creed. Did you watch Creed? Uh no. Didn't, all right so it's um it's basically a spin-off from the rocky franchise uh sylvester stallone heavily involved still produced by sylvester stallone himself but directed by the guy who directed black panther ryan coogler and it had michael b jordan taking up the role basically he was playing apollo creed's son it was a fresh gritty take in a well-established rocky world it's an absolute triumph of the film it's on netflix at the moment highly highly recommend it And Tony Bellew is in it, the boxer, who is... um, Yeah, if you had to pick out of all the the great boxers of our time at the moment to actually be in a boxing film, Tony Bellew wouldn't be particularly high up that list. But, John, there is a link there because he's a massive Everton fan, so is Sylvester Stallone, and they filmed a lot of it at Everton Park. You, being a Liverpool fan, will be disgusted with that. But um, the trailer for the sequel, Creed Two dropped last week. And this is where Sylvester Stallone has put himself back in the director's chair because he he wanted to continue on this story Ryan Coogler is going off being Ryan Coogler on other projects and after Black Panther generating close to 2 billion dollars he can pretty much do whatever the chuffing hell he likes obviously it makes his calendar very very busy so Sylvester Stallone has come back to the director's chair and the trailer for Creed 2 dropped and I'm a bit disappointed so the whole concept is that he's um, he's still a boxer as in Creed not not Sylvester Stallone I don't think even Sly can, can pull off being a 70 year old uh, boxer but um, the concept of this is that he eventually will fight the son of Draco uh, the person who killed his father and it's a complete tone shift it's like the, the grit's kind of gone it feels like just a, another Rocky movie which is a shame really don't get me wrong the Rocky films are fantastic it won an Oscar for Christ's sake the first one but um, but yeah it, it's fair to say that the Rocky films the quality declines uh, or it varies anyway from uh, the further down the chain you go and yeah I'll hold off uh, judgement but yeah John watch Creed it's a very very good film
1: yeah I watched the trailer for this one and yeah something Stallone it's not just because he's an Everton fan but his face troubles me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It makes me laugh when uh actors come over to England and all the uh journalists are kind of desperate for them to have an opinion on soccer and obviously they don't give a crap. So they have to kind of quickly almost choose a team or something and they're just like, Oh but yeah, I'm a United fan or I'm a Liverpool fan and it's uh I it must just be out picked out of a hat. But,
0: but or oh, wherever they're no, you're right. It's basically oh we're in we're in Liverpool at the moment. Oh okay. Um uh I'm right next to us blue stadium I'll pick them but the funniest one for that is um Dave Batista um he yeah. was doing uh, the media rounds and like a lot of people don't give Dave Batista credit he deserves as being an actor like first and foremost right see him in Blade Runner 2049 and tell me that dude can't act. He is—he is incredible in that. He's also great as Drax, obviously in the Guardians movies. He's great in pretty much everything I've seen him in, even as a henchman inspector. Like, it's not his fault he wasn't given any lines. He played the role really well, I thought. But um, he was doing his media rounds. Can't remember what he was promoting. And he was on Soccer AM, and um, he just said he's a Tottenham fan because <laughs> Tottenham were playing that day, and they were talking about the game. So anyway, Tottenham. Invited him as like a guest of honour, so he had to turn up, and they get, they had to go find him a shirt to wear, because obviously when you're Dave Batista, you're not gonna fit in a regular man size shirt. You need to have a Dave Batista size shirt. So they went and specially made a Dave Batista shirt for him to wear, and they put Drax on the back of it, and he he was walking around wearing it, but you could tell by his face of just, I really wish I didn't say Tottenham in that interview. <laughs>
1: yeah I really shouldn't be here <laughs> yeah
0: exactly but then again then again he got free tickets so so he can't complain too much um, so anyway moving into more movie news so Robert Simakas I I love this man there's nothing he can't do in my opinion um, for those of you who don't know the uninitiated this man has bought his films like the Back to the Future trilogy, Forrest Gump he's worked on so many amazing films that have affected the zeitgeist of movie fandom out there Um, I would love him to pick up other properties and to give his own spin on it. He's been a bit quiet for the last couple of years. I think the last film he made was Flight with Denzel Washington. But he has been linked, or shall I say not linked, he's actually been confirmed, as being the director slash producer of a remake of Roald Dahl's The Witches. Now, this was originally made in the nineties the film I should say not the not the book obviously where it had uh Rowan Atkinson in it scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. John, what's your take on this?
1: This is my news of the week because i that uh the original nineties witches is a really good movie, especially for kids I like you, I was absolutely shit scared actually more than more so than nearly any film I watched in my childhood that one stuck with me the scene where they're holding the witches' conference and they all take their masks off that still haunts me and I actually rewatched that the other day that scene on YouTube to see oh is this just because I was a kid and it's still absolutely horrifying <laughs> and I can't believe that they made it as a kind of kids movie but um so this is like amazing news I love Robert Zemeckis and I I'm really intrigued to see what what happens with this movie.
0: Yeah, I mean that's all the news we've got at the moment in terms of like he's announced as being part of this project. We don't know in terms of casting or anything else. But look, let's face it, it could be just it could just be Robert Zemeckis and five planks of wood, and it will work, right? That guy, I I can't think of many a better. There's the, if you had to make a list of best storytellers of all time. Robert Zemakis has got to be in that list he might not be top of your list but he'll definitely be in there and um yeah I can't wait to see what he does. Be interesting to see which direction he goes, and um, because does he go more towards the the film? Because the film does take some slight changes from the book, because like most Roald Dahl books, they're actually quite bleak, and they're usually about <laughs> children being abused in some size, shape, or form. If you read between the lines of them, and um, does he stick very close to the book, or does he go a bit more airy fairy? Think about Tim Burton's adaptation of of Willy Wonka. And um, apparently, he done a very true to life adaptation of Willy Wonka apparently uh, the man himself would have definitely have favoured that over the, the Gene Wilder version I've always said with Gene Wilder he's got that glint in his eyes where you feel like oh he's a nice guy you can either leave your kids with him or you wouldn't be surprised if you're seen on top of a building in the paper followed by the caption then turn the gun on himself he was just <laughs> a crazy mofo but yeah I'll be interested to see more casting news when this comes out um, but just to wrap yeah, off the on. the news for this week, uh, more Instagram announcements. Uh, James Gunn, uh, I, I love this guy. By the way, like he to me he is like the pop the pop punk of directorship. He he gets a bit political every now and again. He really likes like you know the classic skater punk bands. Like he really yeah. he, he generally loves these bands. Like that's the stuff he listens to outside of, of uh of his classic tunes. And he has uh have you heard of the band My uh Mindless uh, Mindless Self Indulgence. You ever heard of them punk band? He cast the s- no. He cast that band as Ravagers in Guardians of the Galaxy just because he likes them. I think it's kind of cool. But anyway, he has uh, shared an update with us on Guardians of the Galaxy. It's going to be called the latest one. It's going to be called Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. He has finished the script. In his words, um, I have poured my heart and soul into this. I cannot give it any more. Um, which means to me, he's taken a year out to write this. I'm, I'm really hoping this is going to be something special.
1: Yeah. yeah. I kind of read that as look, it it's done, enjoy it, please. <laughs> it might be disappointed. I don't know. Maybe I'm being half, glass half empty.
0: I don't know. I, I really enjoyed Volume 2. The only thing is, and I've said this before about when, when we reviewed um, Volume 2, is that with the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, it was James Gunn and a writing team. And that writing team, I don't know how much creative input they had, but I think it's fair to say that collaboration can help. And... Guardians of the Galaxy, the first film, for me, is one of the most perfect modern movies. Um, you know, I don't really want to have a debate about that now, but I'm sure we can talk over Twitter over that another time. But I think Guardians of the Galaxy is up there as a very, very good film. Volume two is just James Gunn writing on his own, and I can't help but feel that it didn't quite get to the same level as the first one. Now that might be because of expectations or loads of other things, but I'd love to have known what of a collaborated script what would what would have that have looked of. And maybe that might be the same with volume three. But then again, you know what? Who the fuck am I to critique the guy? I think he's an absolute genius. Um, I love the fact that he, he will have a playlist of about 500 songs for each Guardians film. And he has to riddle that down to 12. And he spends a year doing that. <laughs> and I'd, wow. I'd love for him to one day release a Spotify playlist of all, this, all the songs that he considered to do the narrative with his Guardians movies with. And that would be a hell of a track to listen to.
1: Yeah, totally. Oh,
0: right, so that's your news for this week. How would
1: you define terrorism? The current definition is any individual or group. Uses violence to achieve a political goal.
0: Zicario 2 Zaldado came out in the UK yesterday. Um it's restarring Josh Brolin and Benicio del Toro. It's I don't know in terms of timeline exactly when it's set after the second film, you just know it's set some time after the second film, where essentially Um, Drug cartels have been bumped up the list in terms of government priorities. They are tackling cartels as terrorists um, due to the fact that the biggest commodity that cartels now have is no longer drugs. It's people trafficking. And the threat to US soil has been that terrorists have been smuggling into the into the US via Mexico via these drug cartels which means Josh Brolin's character has had his eye turned and had the focus on dealing with these cartels. Um Josh Brolin is reprising his role you, you it's what you expect. He's absolutely incredible in this. Uh, I speaking speak to John about this off mic. Josh Brolin is having such a good year. Um as Thanos, he absolutely tore the house down. He was a revelation in that, and he is so so good in Deadpool 2. And this is another great performance. Uh, John, you've you've seen the first the first Sicario movie. What did you make of the first film?
1: I loved the first one. It was one of those movies that um, I, I passed me by, so I watched it quite recently in the last sort of year. Um, but yeah, dark as hell. Emily Blunt was amazing in the first one and yeah totally gripped for you know the whole two hours absolutely loved it.
0: yeah it's a shame that Emily Blunt's not in the sequel um but uh but yeah for obvious reasons but um Josh Brolin and Benicio Del Toro are definitely the the main protagonists here with uh, playing Matt and, and Alejandro respectively and um, this film is very very gritty um it's the pace is a little bit different to the first one so the first one it felt like it was action 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 uh, like building up momentum this film simmers it takes its time this is an adult film this is if 24 slash homeland slash the wire was merged into a film and was designed to slowly build up take away punch you in the face and everything else in between this would be it um I appreciated the the way it builds this film it, it starts off very pulsating almost like a tom clancy novel of how you have these these espionage operations of people breaking into buildings and with proficient efficient ki- uh, killing happening and everything else in between and um, but one thing that you are constantly reminded in this film is that matt and alejandro although they're the protagonists of the story they are not good people they are there to do the bad stuff that the governments are not willing to do and they are bankrolled by the government but ultimately they are doing pretty bad things to even worse people and uh, that is a theme throughout the film this does introduce to us a a young um a young female actress called Isabella Mona who's playing a character called Isabel Reyes she is the daughter of a head of a drug cartel and I'm not going to go into too much plot details other than basically Josh Brolin's hired to cause a a war between the cartels of Mexico and he comes out of a plan of how he can do that now he re-enlists alejandro as we know from the first film he kind of goes a bit awol and um and the, the goal is to basically cause this this ruckus between the cartels because if the theory is if the cartels are fighting each other they're no longer focused on smuggling people into the us ie not sending terrorists into the us and um, it's kind of loosely believable it's a bit too close to home and i think this is the first film of modern times in my opinion anyway to directly reference isis and um, they talk about isis as being the, the terrorist organization usually it's fictional or or um, or pre predis- or just a, a organization which is no longer running um so that's that's i suppose a political footnote in the movie history books there but um this yeah this film is very gritty the it the pace, like I say, is very interesting how it goes about. The ending, obviously not going to spoil the ending, but the ending itself is very abrupt and it left a bad taste in my mouth. And and that's why it went from being, this is one of the films of the year, this is incredible, I love every scene, the chemistry that, that Josh and, and Benicio have on screen is palatable, it's fantastic too. Oh, hmm, not really sure I like what they've done there. <laughs>
1: Is that not maybe that's a theme though, because the first one I felt ended a little abruptly. It definitely wasn't unsatisfying, but it it was slightly abrupt. Did you feel that way? And quite shocking, obviously. Yes. Seen it. Yeah,
0: there's there's one um yeah, no, I I do agree with that as well. But um but I think because Sicario was so uh so fresh in terms of the, the way it was told and everything else, you're just happy with the film you got. With this one, I just felt like they make one story decision in particular, which I found very hard to believe. I'll need to watch it again, to be honest, to, to really comment on whether um, it's bad storytelling or just I missed it, it was blatantly there in front of me. Um, yeah, Right towards the end, there is a massive plot twist uh, which you think, oh my God, I can't believe they're going to do that. But okay, they've done that and this is how the story now goes forward. And um, they then almost instantly reverse it. In a really stupid way, right at the end, mm. and uh, it's, I'm not spoiling anything from that perspective. Yeah, you know, that whole thing unveils in about five minutes at the end, and it just ends the film very abruptly. And um, yeah, I I kind of want to hear how the story goes on, but at the same time, it might be diminishing returns of, oh my god, I can't. I wonder what happens now. Now this has happened, and now this person is here, and that person's doing that, and this is what this means for for the rest of the world. But um, but yeah, I I. Really enjoyed it. It was a bit of a tone shift compared to the usual films i've been reviewing for for talk filming to me of late usually they they're light hearted action family oriented or, or comic book movies. This was an adult film. This was a oh you need to think a little bit, but at the same time there's some mindless violence as well to boot so um for me i 'm gonna go four out of five. It was very close to being five out of five. I highly recommend it and uh yeah Josh Brolin, brother, you are having the year of your life. long may it continue. And he is in damn good shape. Like, he's in his 50s. And, like, the the muscle he had to put on for Deadpool, obviously he was filming all this at the same time. And it must have been really hard to control his hair because he had to, like, shave half his head for for Deadpool 2. And at some point, they transitioned to a wig during Sicario 2. And um, it's not as bad as moustache Gate, but all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, Josh Brolin all of a sudden is hench in this (laughs) scene.
1: yeah thirty five million budget though i mean that's a cheap cheaply made film really
0: oh my god it was only this... thirty five that is gonna that's, got, that's gonna that's got to thats going to do a hundred and fifty easy like i'm saying yeah. now a hundred and fifty easy over the next month or so so it's gonna five fold on its um on its budget and for that alone they they can't how can they not make a sequel
1: mm. well I put the first the first one for the record would get a 5 out of 5 for me. It's one of those movies, one of the best action thrillers I've seen in many years, I remember thinking. So yeah, well, I hope this one can match up. You will not be disappointed. Um,
0: like I say, the ending for me I didn't quite like, but it's definitely a 4 out of 5. It was 5 out of 5 right up until the last 10 minutes. Um, yeah, go see it. You've got so many things to go see at the moment, but if you want a palate cleanser from the... From the Jurassic Worlds, the Infinity Wars, the Oceans 8s of the world. This is definitely it. This is really going to put you in a different mindset. But there you have it. Four out of five. You want to see this thing through? I'm going to have to get dirty. Turning you loose?
1: Hold loose? No rules this time. Adios. That's right. That is right. Get the fuck out of my way. Hi, I need a recall this. I don't have a prescription. I'd like to
0: take his, his face. You're like a cat. Oh, and uh, throw in a couple of martinis while you're at it. All oh, you have to do. Cage or Nonsense, the, the talk filming to me game that's got everyone going, well, I really want to go and watch a bunch of Nicolas Cage movies after that. It's a game where I talk through potentially some of the 89 films that Nicolas Cage has starred in over his illustrious career some of them are genuine Nicolas Cage movies some of them are complete nonsense and it's up to my guests to decide whether it's Cage or nonsense John how are you feeling this week we've had a couple of weeks out did you brush up on any Nicolas Cage
1: I've read every one of the 89 films uh, synopsis and I'm confident that I'm going to get four <laughs> out of four
0: right right let's crack on with film number one. <laughs> <laughs> Master Sorcerer Bowser Blake must find and train Merlin's direct descendant to defeat the dark sorceress known as Malagai Lovey.
1: That does not sound Nicholas Cagey at all. So <clears throat> I'm going to go with Cage because I think it's reverse.
0: Ah, practice. you got the MacGuffin. Yes, it is genuine Cage. It's called <laughs> The Sorcerer's Apprentice. It was a Disney movie which absolutely flopped. Right. film 2 Benjamin Gates must follow a clue left by John Wilkes Booth's diary to prove his ancestors' innocence in the assassination of Abraham Lincoln
1: that sounds I don't know those names sounded like they might have been plucked out of your brain so I'm going to go with nonsense
0: no it's genuine Nicolas Cage it's National Treasure 2 colon Book of Secrets which for the record I actually generally enjoy those (laughs) National Treasure movies I think they're really
1: good Oh, fair enough.
0: Okay, film three. FBI agent Thomas Goodspeed must go undercover as a photographer at a fashion gala to stop a big mob deal. But when the deal goes south, Thomas is kidnapped without backup and only armed with his camera to survive.
1: No, nah, nonsense.
0: Ah, you're spotting my patterns. Yeah, it's nonsense. Who's called Thomas Goodspeed? <laughs> uh, anyway... <laughs>
1: Okay, film. Thought. I think we should make a separate podcast about your thought processes of how you make these uh, nonsense.
0: I actually, uh, Jamie, alluded oh. to it at the podcast a few weeks back. I've been on a on a screenwriter's course as um, like a part time thing just because I keep bitching and moaning about how films are uh, writ or written I should say and um, I just kind of wanted to know what's the process they go through how do you put a screenplay together how do you submit one and all that sort of stuff so I've been this has kind of helped with that a little bit because some of my um, some of my exercises outside of the class have been write a screenplay about something or come try and articulate your thoughts about something else so it's been very uh, very therapeutic doing these as well anyway film 4 on her deathbed, a mother makes her son promise to never get married, which scars him with psychological blocks to commitment with his girlfriend. But they finally decide to tie the knot in Vegas. But a wealthy gambler arranges for this man to lose $60,000 in a poker game, and the only way he can clear the debt? A weekend with his fiance. Sounds like a
1: rip-off of, uh, what's it, uh, indecent proposal, um i'm gonna but i don't know it sounds like a sort of quirky weird fear and loathing-esque movie that you might have done i'm gonna go with cage
0: you are correct john it is cage honeymoon in vegas which means you have got did you get no you got you got you got national treasure wrong didn't you so it's three out of four i got three
1: three out of four can't believe it after all my research Ah. you fooled me once well, you won't fool me again though no flinty well we're gonna this is the last time we play it <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're gonna shelve cage your nonsense for a little while we'll back with a new game next week it'll be quite fun for people um, but if you're a genuine Nicolas Cage fan and you want to get in touch in the podcast to talk about all things Nicolas Cage get in contact with us at Talk Filmy to me, John you definitely still know your cage from your nonsense oh and uh, throw in a couple of martinis while you're at it oh you have to do streaming gems the streaming gem this week there's been so many different things drop over the last couple of weeks but i wanted to talk about luke cage season two this dropped on netflix about two three weeks ago this is the continuation on the netflix slash marvel tv universe obviously we've got daredevil jessica jones uh, iron fist the defenders and obviously luke cage himself this tv show is set roughly about six months after the events of the defenders luke cage is back in harlem he is running the show he's become a a cult celebrity. Obviously, for those of you who aren't aware, Luke Cage is a a resident of Harlem in New York. He is bulletproof. He is very, very strong. You don't kind of know the limits of his powers, but this show is a lot more than just a superhero TV show. It's very much a representation of black culture in America. It's very much representative of the, the themes that black people have to try and deal with by virtue of being black in the USA. I think that's fair to say. Um, it is centred around Harlem, in particular a nightclub and a barbershop. The nightclub is basically where the the antagonist operates in day in terms of being a nightclub owner also a gangster providing drugs and guns to all the bad areas of the city. Luke Cage is the supposed to be the good spirit, the good virtue, the Jimney cricket of doing the right thing, even though he could if he wanted to tear the whole place apart, being the size of a house and and bulletproof to boot. Um, Stars Mike Coulter, being the man himself, the power man Luke Cage, he is absolutely great. He is one of the most charismatic men on the planet i was speaking to john off Mike a few years ago i was at a conference where he was there presenting and talking he was there talking about um about being in halo 5 at the time a lot of People were transitioning into computer games. It was done as a very collaborative way of of co-marketing. And he was playing the other Spartan in in Halo 5. And he was talking about basically what it was like to do that experience. And I managed to grab 30 seconds of a a quick wave and, uh, and a quick selfie with him. And he is generally, yes, he is that big in real life. But also he's generally a nice guy. But he is the suavest, coolest motherfucker on the planet. Like, he doesn't walk. He just Mike Coulters everywhere. And this, this comes across <laughs> in the show. It's, his, his charm and charisma is there from the word go. The only thing about this particular season, because I've watched, I watched all episodes now, um, is that it feels like Marvel is starting to have a pattern. You know, I know John might say to me, well, Adam, there's, they're releasing three movies a year. There's loads of superhero fatigue. But there is actually another pattern emerging, is that they establish a hero... And then after they've established a hero, they tend to go to their roots. So there tends to be like a dad complex. So think about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Inevitably, uh, Peter Quill meets his father. You think about Iron Man. um, He's surrounded by the memory of his father and the impact that's had. And whether that touches into Iron Man 2 or goes into Captain America Civil War, there's always an element of daddy issues, even in the shows. So Jessica Jones, Season 2. Um, the first season was completely about post-traumatic stress about being a victim of uh, of an abuser and that was a really interesting narrative to go across and it was really fascinating uh, season two it goes into parenting issues and, and uh, Daredevil the character himself is very much linked with the ghosts of his father's past and Luke Cage Season 2 does take a story narrative where he, he addresses issues with his father and it's played by Reggie Riley um, you may know him from Homeland or House of Cards he's got the most dramatic voice I've ever heard, I still think of that scene in House of Cards where he just goes you're a motherfucker Mr. President Like I generally love that guy, unfortunately he passed away while they were filming Luke Cage Season 2 and um, so they, they do change the narrative to reflect that a little bit as well Um one of the things that I really do love about this TV show is that in the nightclub, there's always a scene where they introduce an act. There's a, a musical scene. There'll be a musical number. And the idea of this is to showcase great Afro-American slash European talent. and um And... It's just incredible. Some, uh, my playlists on Spotify have been so enriched because of... I've be like, oh, man, I've got to look up that person. Like um, Charles Clark Jr., the guy who... I think I've got his name right there. Might be James Clark, anyway. Gary Gary Clark There we Jr. go. Thank you, John. Mr. Music, you know the stuff. Yes.
1: Um, he. He's brilliant, isn't he? Yeah, he performs
0: in, uh, I think, the second episode. And like I only heard him do that cover of Come Together, which is okay, that cover, but um, it made me get out spotify and listen to his back catalog he is incredible and it is that caliber of artist every different episode they'll have someone performing so if you just love music give it a watch if you enjoy a hark back to the classic um era of uh of black tv it tries to pull in elements from that it's not ripping off or it's not acknowledge it's just acknowledging certain elements of it i think some really clever writing in there as well um it's probably not as good as season one season one was very good in my opinion um, and also uh there is definitely there was a character in season one called cottonmouth who was played by the gentleman in oh i'm wrapping my brains now um i can't remember his name it's forget his uh I have, to, I have to google it but while i'm googling it um he was absolutely fantastic in in um in the first season he's obviously his character is not in the second season but um yeah, that is a massive hole. And Cottonmouth was played by Mershilawa Ali. Um, absolutely fantastic actor. He's obviously was in House of Cards. He's been in Benjamin Button. He's obviously been absolutely incredible in um, in Luke Cage as well. Also in Moonlight, uh, for, you know, lest we forget on that as well. So he was absolutely great actor and it was a massive hole to leave. And they've, they've really struggled to fill that. For that reason, I'm going to go it's 3 out of 5. Um, it's definitely worth a watch. The music in this is incredible for that alone john you're saying to me that some of these artists are great what's your out of the list that you can see of people that are in that where's the where's it lie for you who's the the one to watch
1: well i love gary clark jr because just i love blues and no one's really doing that proper live blues so i i love gary clark jr and um faith evans they've got krs1 they've got just like never-ending talent isn't it it's amazing and i love i don't mind that sort of when a show has a deliberate music interlude scene you know where they really feature something i think it's kind of fresh and i like it as a a a sort of feature
0: so well there you have it luke cage season two three out of five it's got some damn good moves sweet christmas (laughs)
1: Our review this week, Flinty went to see Ocean's Eight, an all female led cast, star laden, absolutely amazing cast, it looks like. Uh, a new take on a heist movie, maybe? We'll see. Let us know what you think, Flinty. Good afternoon, Miss Ocean. As you know, parole is a privilege. It's a mistake, uh, but it, it happened. And, um,. If I were to be released, I would um I would just want the simple life. I just want to hold down a job, make some friends.
0: Oceans 8 is not a prequel to the Oceans movies, but more of a film set in the same universe. The main protagonist in this film is Debbie Ocean. She is the sister of Danny, she's played by Sandra Bullock. The story takes place when Debbie has just received parole after spending five years in prison, where she has been spending all this time thinking and plotting about this new big heist that she's going to pull off. Um, that's the only real link to the Oceans movies in terms of it's a heist movie and it's got a character who's related to a an Oceans character, but that's about it. This is a film very much in its own right. Basically, it follows the same stereotypical tropes of a heist movie. Someone trying to make it big, figures out a plan to make it big, assembles cast of people to, to help her achieve that goal. Something kind of weird happens during the heist. It goes south and they've got to figure out a way of how to do it. This is not going to reinvent the wheel in terms of heist movies and how we perceive them. But what it does do is boast having an all-female cast, which, by the way, talk about a roll call sheet, this is incredible. Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett... Uh, Anne Hathaway, Rihanna, uh, Sarah Paulson, Mandy Carlin, Helen Bowen Carter. The list goes on and on of the star-studded talent that is in front of the camera here. And um, it's kind of a shame that you've got such great names on the paper, but it doesn't really push through in terms of the performances on screen. Yes, they're all very likable. Yes, they're all very, very, uh, very awesome in terms of their task and things. But here's my main point uh, problem with Ocean's Eight is that it kind of it's a heist movie, it's in the oceans world, but it, it misses out some key things you come to expect. Like, for example, I know it sounds trivial, but there's not a scene where someone gives a voiceover over the heist, right? You always think about those scenes where they talk about, right, here's the thing we've got to do, here's the things that's stopping us, here's how we're going to do it, and this is the challenge that it's going to present to us. And, you know, you can imagine all these films like, uh, obviously, the oceans movies, Lucky Logan of recent actually done quite a good job of that. Uh, even in Baby Driver there were some really good scenes where they tore that sort of stuff through that was kind of missing um also it wasn't just like a classic scene of how all these people get rounded up and everything else so it felt like although um it claims to be a heist movie it misses some bits in terms of the story narrative so um Sandra Bullock's character assembles this team of people and they choose to rob the Met Gala. That's about as far as the story details I'll go. Obviously, it being a big fashion event, very, very luxurious. A lot of money's passed around these events, and they've got a plan to try and to try and rob it, basically. Um, performances are great. There is no cameos from the original Oceans films in this. This is trying to be a film very much in its own right. I think if it was more successful, we probably would see some form of crossover universe movie with the Ocean's 18 team teaming me up or against the the other films. I don't think that's gonna happen because I don't know if this has had the same impact that they were hoping for of the previous films. But there's very, very nice parts of this film. There's not very many things where you can pick fault in. It feels like a... A a trip down memory lane of the original Ocean's movies, and that's okay. It's enjoyable, like dinner with old friends. It was, it was enjoyable. Um, I'm gonna go three out of five. It is a recommendation, Um, not one of the big films of the summer, but it's nice to see these films being retold with new casts and new directions. I really hope that this continues a trend of taking the classic heist movie and bringing in some new faces. So there you have it, three three out of
1: five. Three and a half weeks. The Met will be hosting its annual ball and we are going to rob it
0: thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast if you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it please click on the like subscribe the follow what button it ever means that you get more content from talk filming to me i want to thank my boy john how can people find you
1: You can find me at Descamento on Twitter.
0: We'll be back in about a week's time. Hopefully we'll be back on schedule with with a new game. We'll have more film reviews, a streaming gem to boot, and there'll be some more shenanigans in between. Stay filmy.
1: We're down in the basement. We'll lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.